Oh, you guys sound so good. You guys sound so good. Something that kept on coming up this weekend, I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends. It seems like every conversation that I got into that, like it all went back to relationships. That everything in the kingdom always falls back on relationships. It's important. Uh, good morning. I'm, uh, my name is Justin Grant, for those of you that don't know me, and I'm not Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul is on vacation with his family, so we just honor and, uh, and respect him. So, uh, so glad that he has the ability to get away. Uh, this morning, or the first service, I tried using like the little cool microphone. It shot me down. So I'm feeling a little rejected that the microphone didn't like me, but I have a handheld if that's okay with you. Um, this morning, I just kind of want to talk about basic stuff, which is probably pretty safe. You know, we can sit in basics. Um, I can uh, get up here and as a, you know, someone with a microphone on a stage behind a clear lectern with lights, I can say, you need to have a relationship with the Lord. Great. You know, I mean, it sounds good to say that over a microphone that you need to have a relationship with the Lord. Um, and I can bring everybody up in turn and say, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Yeah, I have a relationship with the Lord. I got saved, you know, when I was 10, you know, I've been going to church. Yeah, I have a relationship with the Lord. Um, yeah, I, you know, I watch Christian stuff. Um, sometimes in movies, like I'll, I'll kind of close my eyes when there's some bad stuff. Yeah, I have a relationship with the Lord. I listen to WayFM. I have a relationship with the Lord. Um, I'm in church m more often than not. I have a relationship with the Lord. And I have a bit of a different uh, definition of relationship than that because that's not a relationship. That's an acquaintance. You know, that's just somebody that you know in passing that, yeah, they're around every once in a while. A relationship is someone that you've built a relationship with, something that you've shared experiences with, uh, someone that you've shared communication with. So if I ask you, hey, have you had experiences with God? Do you communicate? Do you dialogue? Do you talk to God? Does he talk back? <laughs> do you hear voices? Do you, do you feel that the Lord is talking to you? Well, I mean, no, 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 not really. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? And sometimes in life, it kind of feels sometimes, does your relationship with God feel like that? Find the derivative, f of x, the integral from going from one to x, <laughs> like, like, how do you even start on that? This is math for anybody that doesn't know. This is a calculus problem. And when, when that popped up, let me tell you what happened to the audience. Oh, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Preach it. Tell them, uh, tell them how much you love them there, baby. Um, what happened to the audience, there was a group of people. If I say, do you want to come up to the blackboard and solve this problem? There's somebody that could say, well, you know, there are special people in the world is it something that I'm saying? <laughs> is, this, is it me? There are some people in the world that can do math problems, and they're strange. They're weirdos. Because I've seen the movies, and every time that a math genius is in the movies, they see people. They have major emotional issues because all math people are crazies. And I could understand that. There are some people that here that can do that, but they're weird. Or there's another group of people, could you come up and, and work this problem? 20 years ago when I was in school, I could probably do that problem, but it's been a long time. You know, and any parents in here that have tried to help their kids out with their algebra homework, and it's like, I used to be able to do that, but I have no idea how to even start. I used to be able to do that, but now I don't, 
I don't, I don't really know about that. And there's maybe two or three people in the room that could look at that and go, man, that's the easiest thing in the world. Is there anybody here that, that can solve this real quick, just off the top of your head? Well, we'll say, we'll have their friends point out. The truth is, it's an incredibly easy problem to solve. I know, I'm not crazy, I don't see people. It's, it's a really simple uh, problem to solve, and I think that it mirrors our relationship with the uh, Lord. The reason why this looks difficult to solve is two things. One, we have an entire culture that breeds into us. Math is this impossible thing. You can't understand that. Who could understand the lofty heights of math? No one can understand the lofty heights of math. It's impossibly hard. You can't do that. And we also have uh, this little funny swishy thing. It's like, who's ever seen that little swishy thing? It's an integral. And it makes a problem a little different. It's still simple, but it's strange. It's odd. I don't really understand what that looks like. And with the Lord, we have an entire culture that says, who can understand the heart and the mind of the Lord? Can you talk to God? Can you have a relationship with God? Can you know that there's a God? No, we're not that lofty. I can't know that there's a God. And it's also a bit strange. It's like our relationship with God has one of those little swishy things because he's invisible. I know that it might be a shock to everybody, but God's invisible. And uh, one of my friends told me one time, I was kind of dealing with, with my relationship with the Lord and I was bummed out and frustrated. And he was like, hey, you know, he knows he's invisible. He knows. It's not the elephant in the room. He knows that it's hard. He knows that it's difficult. And so it's like, God, you know, am, am I having a good relationship with you? Is this okay? And it's like, well, considering the fact that you can't see me, you're doing pretty good, you know? So it's okay to say, uh, it feels strange right now. Um, well, I just kind of want to touch base. Like I said, this is an easy problem. And I could take maybe 90% of the people in the room, just take five minutes, explain to you just some simple rules, some simple uh, tips, and you'd be able to solve this or at least reduce it, you know, pretty simply. Um, and I want to do that with, with the word. Like, how do we have a relationship with God? How do you even start one? If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if I say, do you talk to God and he talks back? It's like, no, crazy people talk to God and have him talk back. So if that seems like a foreign concept to you, um, like how do we even start? How do I start solving that problem? Well, um, in John, 1 John, 1 John, somewhere in the Bible. Do you like awkward silence? Hallelujah. 1 John 2.27 says, uh, this is the new living, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true and it's not a lie. So just as he is, he has, he has taught you remain in the fellowship with Christ. You don't have need of any teacher for the Holy Spirit lives in you and teaches you all things. Well, if you don't need a teacher, what in the world am I doing up here? What does pastor Paul do up here? you know, every Sunday? What does the worship team do up here if they're not trying to teach me how to have a relationship with God? What's the, what's the point of it all? Why come to church? Well, the point of it all is for us to get you to encounter God, get you to encounter the Holy Spirit. So what we do, we, we set up times of worship because we know that the Lord draws near in worship. And if we can get you to draw near to the Holy Spirit, he'll take over and he will teach you all things. You know, 
we know that uh, he comes near to perform his word. He says that he watches over his word to perform it. So if we preach the word to you, he draws near and you have the chance to encounter uh, the Holy Spirit or to encounter God through the teaching of his word. Um, I used to help uh, tutor a couple of people in math. It's strange. Um, but what you really need when you're tutoring someone in math or if you're taking a math test is someone to stand over your shoulder and do that. That's right. That's right. Good. Or the infamous. <clears throat> Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Uh, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's why you're here. I'm not sure what I'm doing. Well, the Holy Spirit does that in our life. When we are trying to have a relationship with, with the Father, with God, he says, go on, that's good, that's good. He encourages us in what we should do. Or at the same time, you know, if we're doing something that hinders our relationship with God, he's there to go, he's not gonna hit you with a stick. That's not his job. He just goes, are you sure about that? Are you positive? So what are some tips. Say that I don't have a relationship with God and I want to start one. How do I even start a relationship with God? Um, and there's a verse, if you want to flip, it's um, Acts 2, Acts 2, 42. It's also in, uh, in your bulletin if, uh, if you don't have access to a Bible around you. Acts 2, 42. And it says, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It's four little uh, tidbits that I think that are a great way to start a relationship with the Lord. Or if you have a relationship with the Lord and you feel that it can go deeper, these are a great way to set you up to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can take over and teach you how to have a relationship with the Father. Uh, the first thing is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Or, you know, kind of in, in our day, we, we have the written word of God. Um, and I want to introduce you to a special friend of mine. It's the first time that uh, the second service has ever met my friend. So Church on the Hill, I want to introduce you to my one-year Bible. Say hi. hi. One-year Bible, this is Church on the Hill. And um, I have just a spoiler alert. I haven't really figured out a way to make this not sound arrogant. I don't, I don't mean it to sound arrogant, so just forgive me in advance. Um, my one-year Bible looks like that for a reason. It doesn't look new for a reason. If you grabbed a hold of my grandmother's Bible, it looks like that for a reason. If you went and got my grandfather's Bible, it looks like that for a reason. Anybody that has a relationship with the Lord is a man or a woman of the word of God. Because it's a wonderful way when we come to the word, we see him, we see his character, we see his attributes. Who is Jesus? Well, he's written right here. Well, how would Jesus respond in this situation? He would respond like that. Um, and if you don't have a, a plan, like a daily reading plan, I suggest you grab one. There's tons of them on the internet. We have one-year Bibles you know, out in the information table, they're 10 bucks, wonderful investment. Um, or if you, don't, if you don't have 10 bucks to spend on that, you can go online and sign up for online one-year Bibles that they email it to you, you know, and that's kind of what, what I do now. I get it on my phone and when I get it, you know, you just sit there and read it. Or if you can't read that much in one day, start with a verse. 
And if you can't start with a verse, you know, like do something. You have got to get it into you. You've got to get the word of God into you. And it's not something that, well, if you guys start reading the Bible, it makes us look better. And that's not, that's not the case. There are some days that you don't feel like brushing your teeth. I hate it for you. You need to brush your teeth. There are some days that you don't feel like taking a shower. And it's like, I'm sorry, buddy. You got to take a shower. And there are some days that we don't feel like reading the word. And it's just, you know what? Sometimes you just got to read the word. You've got to read the word. If we start getting out of this book, we start breaking that relationship with God down. And you don't even notice. So it's one of the frustrating things about relationships is there are some relationships that end in a you know, big bunch of fireworks and you know, it's like, I hate you, I hate you, I never wanna see you again. There's some relationships like that, but most relationships just kind of fade away. You know, imagine when you graduated high school, imagine when you graduated college, like, we're gonna be best friends forever. No, relationships just fade away. If you stop pouring into a relationship, no matter how good it is, it'll start fading away. So the believers in the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or to the word of God. Get into the word. Get into the word. If you have no idea where to start, just start reading. Just start reading. Another thing that they devoted themselves to is times of prayer. If you wanna have a passionate relationship with the Lord that you can communicate to the Lord, that I can say something to him, that he could say something back to me, you have to develop your prayer life. Um, and no one here has to feel like they have to start off with praying for two hours a day. Because I don't. <laughs> I don't. What I'll do, I, you know, when people come up to me and say, you know, how, how do you develop a relationship with the Lord? One of the things that I'll say, a real practical way to start one, is before you go to bed at night, take five minutes before you go to sleep and just kind of stand there. And for the first half of that five minutes, say, God, this is what's going on with me today. This is what I went through today. I got really frustrated at that guy that cut me off in the Walmart parking lot. I was going for the last knife, and then that other lady took that last knife, and it frustrated me, God. This is what's going on with me today, God. Or, God, I'm so thankful that you've put me in this situation, or you've put me in this place. You came through for me in this situation, God. Thank you for this, God. This is just what's on my heart. These are the things that I think about you. And just for the first half of that five minutes, do that. Well, for the second half, just stand there and daydream about how much he loves you. So I promise you that just doing that will develop your prayer life more than anything else. You could read a ton of books on how to have this great prayer life. If you'll just sit there for two and a half minutes every night and daydream about the thoughts that he thinks about you, it's astounding what, what life will come about in your life. Life will come about in your life, yeah. Say, what kind of thoughts do you think about me? And if we're in the word, we know what thoughts he thinks about me thoughts I have towards you are to give you a future and a hope that I know the plans that I have for you, that, that God loved me so much that he gave, that at every turn, at a, every situation in my life, God is passionately pursuing me. So what are some of the thoughts that he would say over me? I love you, baby. I think you're doing a great job. Way to go. I'm proud of you. What are some good things that a good father will say over his kids? Proud of you. Way to go. And just daydream about that. And I promise you, as you start daydreaming, daydreaming about that, you'll start hearing things kind of in your, in your mind that you didn't expect to hear. And that's the Holy Spirit kicking in and taking over. God, what are some of the things that you think about me? 
I think you did a great job with that situation that you handled. You do. You think I did a great job? And there is so much faith that blooms in that. So the the early believers got into the word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to times of prayer. Well, and the the two other things, the breaking of bread and fellowshipping, I kind of lumped those into one. Fellowship and relationships, like I I was saying uh, earlier, relationships are the cornerstone of everything in the kingdom. God is a relational God. He has a desire to have a relationship. And it would stand to reason if we're created in the image of God that we would have a desire to have relationships with our friends. And one of the, the number one things that I'll, uh, I'll try to ask people, if you wanna have a relationship with God, if you wanna have your relationship with God, be more mature. If you wanna go deeper in God, if you wanna get to know him a little bit better, find somebody that knows him a little bit better and start hanging out with them. You know, there's this whole concept in, uh, in the craftsman trades that you, you have a master and you have an apprentice. And the apprentice sits there and watches the master do everything that they're doing, whether it's welding or painting or, or anything like that. If you sit there and you have a relationship with a master of something, you will become great at whatever you're doing. You know, if, if I want to, to start liking sports, I have to hang out with people that like sports. If I wanna start liking music, I have to hang out with people that start liking music and that starts rubbing off. If I wanna develop a real problem with anger, I have to hang out with angry people. And that's why you'll notice like, um, the more you you hang out with a group of people, like people start saying, you've been hanging out with so-and-so, haven't you? Yeah, how can you tell? Well, you started acting like them. And one of the things that I'm, I'm incredibly grateful about in my life is that I am surrounded by some of the greatest friends that anyone could ever have. I am surrounded by an army of people that are more passionate for the Lord than I am. That I can get next to people that have a hunger and a desire and that God uses in incredible ways and say, I want what you've got. I want that relationship with God that you have. I wanna operate like you do. I wanna be able to do a great job like you do. And so what I do, I passionately seek out those friends. And, you know, like a lot of these friends that I'm talking about, you know, they're going to be listening to the podcast when we put it up. So all my friends here that, that I draw from and all my friends that are listening on the podcast, you know who you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because I wouldn't be who I am without the friends pouring into me that I have. And friendships are kind of hard to, to get sometimes. Sometimes you, you kind of feel like the, the dumb wildebeest on a, like National Geographic channels. You know, it's like, and as the lion crouches in the grass, you know, overlooking the herd of wildebeest. You have the one dumb wildebeest that's, you know, it's going out for a stroll. And that one dumb wildebeest that goes away from the herd attracts all the attention of the lions. And I promise you, if you leave fellowship from friends that burn hotter than you do, the enemy will seek you out and he will mess with you. And sometimes it's hard to stay in the herd because I, I promise you, you don't get along with everybody. There are, there are people in my life that I value their relationship with God that I don't really see eye to eye on, that I, I don't agree with everything that they believe. I don't agree with the way they go about things. It's like, well, if I would, if I would have done that, I would have done that differently. But I value their relationship with God and I value what's on their life. And so I say, I don't care if I disagree with you. I want what you've got. And so you weasel your way into friends that burn hotter than you do. 
And I promise you, if you do that, your relationship with God will grow. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, um, you know, both written and spoken. They devoted themselves to times of prayer. They developed their prayer life. And they started hanging out with other believers, other believers that, that grow in faith. And, uh, you know, it's kind of summertime, so everybody grills. Does anyone grill? Raise your hand if you grill. Okay, that works in the youth. I guess it doesn't work here. Grill. Um, if you take a coal from a grill, I don't care how hot that coal is. If you remove it from the grill, it'll cool off. And if you bring it back, that coal will burn brighter again. So you need to have, be surrounded by friendships that cause you to burn brighter. Um, and those three things are a great way to start. Are they a great way to have a relationship with the Lord? Not really, but they're a great way to encounter the Lord. And when you encounter the Lord, he builds a relationship in you. Um, and, and I have one more point, and it's actually the most important point. Um, all these other points could kind of, you know, I could have not said them and still get this point, and we could all, you know, gain something today. The number one uh, impact, the number one greatest impact on your relationship with God is to have accurate knowledge of how crazy he is about you. You know, something that I say, you know, what is the Father's heart? Well, the Father's heart is that he is crazy about me. He is so in love with me. He is so in love with you that he'll risk everything, that he gives away everything just to have a relationship with you. Not to have um, a passing acquaintance with you. Not for you to, to show up every once in a while. Not for you to kind of, yeah, well, he's in the family. You know, he's kind of the weird, crazy uncle that no one ever talks to. He wants to have a relationship with you. Um, I'm just going to read a story out of Luke. It's Luke 15, and I'm, I'm sure that everyone here knows it. Um, and it being Father's Day, I think it's kind of appropriate that, that we bring this up. So Luke 15, starting in verse 11, says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him the story. A, young, or a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his, father, so his father agreed, divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant, distant land. There he wasted all of his money with wild living. About this time, his money ran, ran out, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Even the pig slop started looking appetizing. And when this man finally came to his senses, he said, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Now imagine, like, just let this uh, play out like a movie in your mind. This guy is sitting in a pig pen, and pigs are disgusting. I mean, they're nasty animals. He's sitting there covered in all this stuff, wanting to join the pigs in eating. And he said, I don't have to live like this. I don't have to live like this. This is not my destiny. I can go to my father's house, and I could just work as a servant and be better off than this. And so what he did, he stood up and said that he came to his senses and started walking home to, to his father's house. 
Well, what was his father doing the entire time? The father would wake up in the morning and go stand on the porch and watch the road. And then, you know, the sun would go across the sky. Then the father would go to sleep and he'd wake up the next morning, stand on the front porch and just watch the road. I'm sure that the father neglected some of his responsibilities because he was watching for his son to come home. And I spent summers on a farm and it was, uh, I don't know if anybody has kind of lived out in the country that when you see headlights or when you hear a car, you know that they're coming to see you. It's like there's no one else out here. And so the father would sit there and watch the road, just you know, waiting for any signs of dust coming up on the horizon. And so what did the father do? Said that, that this man returned home to his father and when he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He was watching and his father saw him coming. And he ran to him. Now, if this is a young man, that means that the father is an older man. The young man is young, and the father is an older man. And the father outran his young son on the road. And the father uh, saw him coming when he was still a long way off. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be carried of it, or to be called your son. But his father wasn't paying attention to his, or his apology. The whole time he starts going, okay, here's my rehearsed apology. Father, I have sinned. The father's like, whatever. Bring this robe. Bring a ring. Bring new shoes. Kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party because my son was dead and he has come back alive to me. His father didn't even wait for him to apologize. You know, the father wasn't sitting there going, when you show up at my doorstep, you better have something good to say. Father's like, who cares? The father's mind was on relationship so much. Was the son wrong? Of course the son was wrong. Was the father right? Of course the father was right. Did it matter to the father? No. What mattered was the relationship with his son. Did the father care that he lost half of his estate? No. The father's sole, uh, sole uh, passion was a relationship with his son. And so what would you think that the, that the heavenly father's thoughts about you are? Do you think God's up in heaven frustrated at things that you're not doing right? So I promise you that there is something in everybody's life here today that you feel like a complete failure in. That you've, you've made poor decisions, that you've, you've blown up parts of your life, and some of it you've done on purpose. Do you think God's in heaven going, I can't believe you would do something like that? after all I've done for you. No. The father is sitting on the front porch going, one day my baby's gonna come home and I'm gonna be here waiting for you. So at any point in time, you are only one decision away from being reunited with the father. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter any decisions that you've ever made. Nothing will ever keep you from having a relationship with God. Why does nothing keep you from having a relationship with God? Because he is that passionate about you. When the son came back, he didn't say, Dad, I know that I really blew it. Um, I bought you a car to make up for it. You know, would you please accept this with my apology? You know, and the father didn't sit there and go, well... I'm really frustrated at you, but it's a nice car, so I guess you can come home. And the son didn't say, well, Dad, I know that I blew it here, but here's all the money I took from you. You can have it back. Will you forgive me? 
You know, the father said, well, I'm really frustrated at you, but you gave me my money back, so I guess we can be okay. The son didn't have anything to bring to the father to restore the relationship. The weight of responsibility was on the father to say, I don't care if you don't bring anything to the table. You're all I want. And so when you come to the father, don't feel that you have to bring anything with him. Don't ever feel like you have to say, Father, I know that I blew it. I'll never do it again. Don't feel like you have to make any kind of vow or commitment. Father, I know that I blew it. I promise I'll clean my room every day. (laughs) We don't ever have to bring anything to the Father for him to forgive us because he's that madly in love with you. He says, whatever, I'll bring you back home no matter what you've done. Uh, Tammy, if you can go ahead and come up. We could stand up and just kind of go before the Lord. Um, and those that are kind of uh, working on the altar ministry this morning, if you could go ahead and come forward. There are areas in all of our lives that we, we desperately need a relationship with God. We desperately need a greater relationship with the Father. And with it being Father's Day, um, you know, no one can push buttons like family can push buttons. No one can irritate you like family can irritate you. Um, and so that I know that even if you had the most amazing father in the planet, it still pales in comparison to how good your heavenly father is. And I don't care if you had the most loving father on earth, it still pales in comparison to how much your heavenly father loves you. And all of this is just to set you up for God to tell you how much he loves you. Because I could tell you that God loves you and it doesn't mean anything. But when God tells you he loves you, suddenly it changes your life. So you can just kind of bow your head. Um, Father, we desperately need a relationship with you. God, not some passing acquaintance, not some friendship. I need an active, dynamic relationship with you where I can tell you what's going on in my life and you talk back to me, God. I need to feel like you're near, God. I don't need to feel like an unwanted son in the kingdom. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in, that you would partner with us, that you would teach us all things. And if I desire to have a relationship with the Father, Holy Spirit, teach me how to have a relationship with the Father. And guys, if you're sitting here, you know, your heart's kind of beating fast and you can say, you know, I know that I'm not where I need to be. I know that I'm not where I need to be. There's nothing stopping you from being where you need to be. You don't have to do any better. You don't have to to do anything greater. You just have to say, ah, Dad, I'm sorry. I want to come home. If anything stood out, if, if you have a hard time getting into the Word, say, Father, I have a hard time getting into the Word. Holy Spirit, will you teach me how to be a lover of your word. If you have a hard time with prayer, say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a person of prayer. If you feel like you're alone and you don't have anybody in your life, say, Holy Spirit, show me those those relationships that I need to have that will bring me closer to you. Because we either believe that he'll do his end of it or we don't. 
And I promise you, if you'll make a step, God will make the rest of the step. <laughs> it says, while he was still a long way off, the father ran to his son. So I'm going to take a few minutes. If you, you know, if you just want to talk to the Lord, if you just kind of want to get quiet with him and say, God, I'm, I'm not where I need to be right now. I want to make this better. Take that time. If you feel the need to, to talk, talk it out with someone or you feel the need to have prayer or if you have anything else going on in your life that you want to get prayer for, just come down here front. We have wonderful prayer workers that would be thrilled to, to pray with you. Just take a, take a minute and just uh, spend some time with the Lord and say, God, this is what I want. I want a greater relationship with you.